0: This week on the Back Table Podcast.
1: I go, I look at the sign, I'm like, okay, this is my chance to have a hard body. So I walk in and <laughs> and I'm like, so what is this? This is like this is yoga. I'm like, it says get hot. Yeah, your body will be very, you know, fit if you do it. Like, okay, let me try. So I go to the class and she's like, okay, go in child pose. I go in child pose and she cranks up the heat to 104 degrees. And at that time, I realized, I'm like, okay, this is like really, literally hot yoga.
0: Hello everyone, and welcome back to the Backtable podcast, your source for all things urology. You can find all previous episodes of our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, and at backtable.com. This is Aditya Bagrodi as your host this week, and I'm very excited to introduce our guest today, Dharam Kaushik from Houston Methodist Hospital. How are you doing, Dharam?
1: I'm doing great, Aditya. Thank you so much for having me on your podcast.
0: You know, the, the pleasure is all mine. I've really been inspired as I've had the good fortune of learning what you've been up to. In San Antonio, when you were previously there, I'm sure this will continue in Houston and, and beyond, no question about it. And, you know, as, as I was kind of preparing for this podcast, you know, it's, it's simple enough to say that yoga has been such an instrumental part of your life. I'll share a little story. So when I was getting married, my wife is also Indian. We were having a traditional Indian Hindu ceremony, and I could not sit crisscross applesauce on the ground which is kind of a standard part of our affair and you know sure enough they had to bring these like little decorative stools for me to sit on so it started becoming you know pretty abundantly clear to me that uh, I had some serious flexibility issues that you know if it was like playing soccer or running I could sort it out for a day or two but this can be like a real lifelong thing particularly as as surgeons any kind
1: of comments on that Durham? I agree, Aditya. I mean, you know, flexibility is not emphasized much, especially in our culture. At the same time, you know, we, we strive to be flexible doing other workout. But I think yoga was kind of designed to be flexible. It's actually the whole purpose of yoga was to, you can sit down in the crisscross applesauce position so you can meditate and connect with yourself.
0: I love that. And we'll uh we'll we'll dig into the kind of philosophical components of yoga and breath work here in a bit, but I think we should start at the beginning. So you're a urologic oncologist, I'm a urolog- urologic oncologist. We're kind of hurtling through space trying to take good care of patients, stay up to date, get a research program going, and you know, year one, it's kinda of like Just googly eyes, big cases, things are going well. The highs are highs, the lows are kind of catastrophic. And then clearly at some point in your career, in your life, something clicked or something came to be within you that said, you know, I need to maybe prioritize other aspects of my professional life. Can you talk a little bit about that process? Yeah, of
1: course. You know, everything changed with the pandemic. You know, it gave us time to reflect on meaningfulness in our life, what is important in our life. I almost had an epiphany where I realized that I was maybe hurting myself by working too hard and putting a lot of stress on my physical and mental aspect. And that kind of led me to explore what can I do within my sphere of influence to help myself. And I explored different options and yoga was one of the option which came up. And I grew up in India, Aditya, and I was skeptical about yoga. As a kid, I ran away from yoga. My parents wanted me to do yoga and learn yoga, but I thought it was very strange and weird and I didn't want to be a contortionist as a kid. So I actually never gave any importance. It's ironic that I Actually, learned yoga in San Antonio during pandemic. You know that changed the way I looked at meaningfulness in my life.
0: Yeah, I think in some form or fashion, all of us had to take a good long look in the mirror and and kind of recalibrate. And I mean, the pandemic is an obvious one. I think there's life events, children, marriage, divorces, death of a loved one that kind of do these things. But I. I suspect, and I think certainly it's acknowledged that burnout, sense of incomplete well-being, physical deterioration, these are insidious processes. And someday, you know, this kind of lingering, nagging thought in the back of your mind reaches a critical mass where you where you do something, right? Yeah. I mean, it, it's hard to overcome that activation energy to just be like, man, today was not another like, okay day. Not like, man, today was amazing and I feel like awesome or like, Today was so bad that I think I'm going to go home and kill myself, right? These are like extremes. Extremes. And we
1: actually, surgeons, are extremely burned out. If you look at the urology literature, we have 70 to 80% burnout rate. We were ranked in 2020 in Medscape, uh, ranked the top specialty for burnout. You know, we do it to ourselves by physical uh, distress and mental distress and that results in kind of emotional exhaustion, what you were talking, Aditya, that you just have nothing to give. We are supposed to be compassionate and giving and loving, but if your tank of compassion is empty, there is no amount of motivation which can lead you to become a better doctor. You cannot give compassion to others if you don't have compassion. That's why it was important for me to reflect, pause and say, you know what, I need to fix this within myself and whatever I could do. And then I benefited so much from doing yoga that I was like, okay, I need to take this to my people and my people is healthcare workers. My people is you and the urology community and the surgeons. You know, my story is after um, I felt better with the yoga, I decided that, hey, I need to train to become a certified yoga teacher. And very fortunately, an opportunity came where the yoga studio had weekend classes only. So you can become a certified yoga teacher. You come there on Friday night and Saturday, Sunday. You train for 200, 300 hours. It's a one-year training. And then you you become a certified yoga teacher.
0: I want to kind of get some of the details before we actually get to the studio. So you've had this internal sense, pandemic rolls around. You called it an epiphany. Like, was it like Wednesday night you went to bed, Thursday you woke up and you said, you know what, I've got to do something different. And so you kind of explored, maybe I'll start running, maybe I'll start yoga, maybe I'll start, you know, joining some type of community like Art of Living, which focuses on breathwork. Did anybody else, you know, did your chairperson, did your kids, did your wife say Hey man, this is you know a little bit different from what we've noticed. Once upon a time,
1: so as you said that uh, this is insidious. You know, we keep pushing ourselves. We are kind of programmed to push ourselves. No one will push us more than we ourselves, right? It's like drilled into our brain that you can do it, you can do it, you can do it. So I think at some point it's self-critical, self-reflective. But it's very important you bring up a role of family. My wife, you know, she was after me for months and months. Like, what is going on with you? Look at you. You know, you're not looking your usual self. You're not, you're changing. Um, So I was very fortunate that I listened to her and I listened to my friends and said, okay, I'm going to start to do something. And I tried different things. And this one kind of, you know, fit my style,
0: I think it's really insightful that you know, it may not be that the first thing that you you dip a toe into sticks. And obviously, management of stress burnout is a very personal thing. It's not like journaling or yoga or breath work or taking this, you know exercise competitive sports is going to be a perfect fit for everybody. There's introverts, there's extroverts. there's physically minded people. There's more. You know, there's all all types of variations. And I I, I think it's really useful for me and for the listenership to hear that you dabbled maybe or explored some things and then ultimately found something that, that seems to have worked for you or seems to be working for you.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I actually encourage that. Don't make just one thing as your main wellness activity. Try different things. And you can do a combination of different things. And it's okay. Whatever works for you. I think the important thing is
0: it's, you know, personalized wellness. You decided that you wanted to explore yoga. I mean, is this, you know, maybe some recommendations from colleagues, friends, somebody that's gone to a studio, Google something that looks like it's in close proximity. How, how does this work? Close to work, close to home?
1: No, it, it's a funny story. So as I was, uh, the yoga studio is in a mall in San Antonio. So as was in that mall, like walking around and I saw a sign. It said, uh, get hot. And it was for hot yoga. I go, I look at the sign. I'm like, okay, this is my chance to have a hot body. So I walk in and, <laughs> and I'm like, so what is this? It's like, this is yoga. I'm like, it says get hot. Yeah, your body will be very, you know, fit if you do it. Like, okay, let me try. So I go to the class and she's like, okay, go in child pose. I go in child pose and she cranks up the heat to 104 degrees. And at that time I realized, I'm like, okay, this is like really literally hot yoga. I had never done any of that stuff. And I could not do the class, but I felt so good. I went back and, and I never left that studio.
0: I'm laughing at at multiple levels. So <laughs> I, uh, I had the good fortune of doing the AUA Brazilian exchange program. And it was for about three weeks. And I was like, all right, I'm going to do something kind of for my health, a little bit outside of my typical. And I literally Googled yoga studios and there was one about a half a mile away and it was high yoga. And, you know, kind of as an acknowledged non-flexible person, I go there. It was so humbling. I mean, these people that have been going to this studio doing incredible poses and I'm like about to like stroke out like as I'm spasming. But like you said, it was tough and I would go home and I just felt so good. I'd wake up in the morning and like nothing was like stiff or felt funny. And I guess, you know, I shared this because the point being is just like anything, it can be that easy, right? You just go check it out. Either resonates and it doesn't resonate. So when you walked in, you went in to explore, to get hot Was the ability to become a teacher, any of that like even like remotely on your radar? That seems like so overwhelming from the get go.
1: Oh, no, no. I was like, whoa, what happened? What just happened? Why this heat and humidity? They have 40% humidity. I'm like, what is she doing? You know, and I was like, there were only two other people in the class. I'm like, oh, this is like super strange. You know, this is, I cannot breathe. I cannot hold my pose. I actually slept. After, like, she put me in child pose and I slept. She had to wake me up. She's like, sir, uh, you know, the class is done. I'm like, <laughs> you know, can I sleep for a little bit longer? <laughs> <laughs>
0: All right, so you went in there and like many things, it was uncomfortable, it was foreign, but clearly something kind of struck a chord. And, um, you know, maybe just kind of t- tell us a little bit of the rest of the story. So you, you've gotten a couple of classes and how you've been able to expand this and scale it up
1: yeah so I uh, started doing it then six months eight months went by and then I was like whoa this is really good for me you know I'm kind of I'm reflecting on myself I'm I am very well aware of what's happening in my body my physical body and then in my mind I can visualize how what's, what kind of thoughts I have in my mind based on just sitting and kind of meditating. And then I started thinking, you know, what about people who don't know? Like healthcare workers are notorious for not taking care of their health. I mean, that's the fact. So I started thinking, what if I take this? Because they are more likely to listen to me. I'm one of them compared to some random yoga teacher telling them, go in child pose, go in warrior one, or do this pose. So, And then I started thinking, what if I become a certified yoga teacher? So that's where I jumped at the opportunity. I, at that time, I didn't know it was a good idea. Actually, I had a lot of regrets for the first few weeks while in the teacher training, because I was taking away time from my family, you know, Friday, six uh, 5 to 10 p.m., Saturday, 7 a.m., 7 p.m., same for Sunday. So I was taking a lot of time away from my family or not doing research or not writing papers, not writing grant in that time. So I felt tremendous amount of uh, guilt, Aditya, that I'm just wasting my time. You know, I'm sitting in this room with them and we are learning breath work and all these stuff? Why I'm wasting so much money and time on this? But then I was like, okay, you know what? I just paid a large amount of money for this course. I just have to finish it now.
0: That's tricky. I mean, I I feel like, you know, I don't want to pry too much in your family life. And I think it'd be fine with me sharing that you have a wife and children. So, you know, when you're taking care of yourself, let's just call it, you're not, you're not spending time with them. And that, that I think is a push and pull that we all struggle with and I'd venture to say that maybe our female colleagues probably feel it a bit more where there may always be this, you know, balance between, am I diluting things at work? Am I diluting things at home? And it, it may lead to a sense of constant sense of incompleteness in both venues. I mean, I, I'll i take my morning routine is the coffee's been set the night before, it's brewing when I get up. In the shower, I brush when I'm out, I drink my cup of coffee on the way to work, and I'm from the moment my eyes open, I'm working within twenty five to thirty minutes and for a variety of reasons, I kind of decided I need to prioritize stretching mostly, and this was operative fatigue, physical fatigue. and I decided that in the mornings I would take i would do like a literally like a ten minute peloton stretching class and the guilt I felt for not starting on like goal directed behavior and mind you again this is like 10 minutes in the morning before anybody's on campus or awake was you know it took me weeks to to get over that and anything in the evening when my family's around is just like a i don't know it's like this anguish that that's really really challenging can you talk a little bit about that prioritizing carving out time and how that also evolves that's,
1: a, that's an excellent topic, Aditya. I'm glad you're bringing this up. So you mentioned anguish. I felt same way. That's why I had that guilt of taking, you know, so many weekends away for 10 months and not seeing my kids. So for the teacher training, I, we had a family meeting. I was like, okay, what do you guys think? Should I do this or not? And my wife was like, you need to do this. First for yourself. And second, for people who you love, which is, you know, our community. And my daughter, you know, at the time she was 10, I have three daughters. The youngest one, she's like, Yeah, dad, you you need to follow your dream. Just like, you know, this talk in uh, Disney movies, you need to follow your dream. And she's like, Yeah, I'll be okay. But I think if this is very important for you, you should do it. The other thing they said, all said was, I was much happier person when I started doing yoga. So the family actually has priority on quality of time we give them. And for me, it was in my head that I need to spend as much quantity of time. But it could be 20 minutes. but. A full quality twenty minute is much better than you know, spending two hours and not paying attention to them. When I'm with them, I'm with them. I'm not with my phone, with my mark. I'm with them. But I learned that in yoga,
0: yeah, I, I certainly think that sometimes we feel good, sacrificing, suffering. We think it benefits our families, our patients in some kind of Weird, twisted way, but if you went and asked the people that you're trying to sacrifice for, they'd say, "By all means, go do that." A, because you enjoy it, and B, as a secondary benefit, we think you're to be much more pleasant and engaged and involved present when you complete that. Yeah, I mean, for me, you know, just to kind of complete that thought, it started out with 10 minutes a morning. And, uh, I mean, exercise has just been something that I love, but it's just tough for me to prioritize. I started biking to work and, you know, many times it's in the while, like on a zoom call or whatever, but I start my day with, you know, 30, 40 minutes of self-care, which is a newer phenomenon for me. And it's been wonderful. So you obviously took like a, you know, just the kind of hours and commitment you're describing full Saturdays, full Sundays, Friday evenings. That's, that's kind of one end of the spectrum, but could you maybe us something practical prescriptive on somebody that just wants to start engaging in self-care whatever that may be
1: so self-care I think you can start with having dedicated time you commit to a time you say you know what 20 minutes three times in a week I'm going to take out and I'm going to do something for myself and that does not mean going out or doing grocery shopping or doing some kind of chores. That is your time, your date with yourself. You are giving that time, you are gifting that time to yourself. Just like when you invest in stocks, you have dividends, you get dividends. That time you have, 20 minutes, three times, or four times in a week, that's the dividend you're giving yourself for working so hard. And I think we are very reluctant, we are very shy, we are programmed not to give that time. And that hurts us. Now that 20 minute each day or every other day gives you time and opportunity to kind of like reflect on your body. Aditya, you are in the operating room doing post chemo or pill and d If you are lucky, you are done in six hours. Otherwise, usually 8 hours, 10 hours, you know, 12 hours. If you're uh, regrafting iota or IVC, 12, 14 hours. That's a lot of stress on our physical body. It doesn't matter how much we think we are powerful, we are Superman, we are not. So musculoskeletal issue can creep up. You have chronic pain. If you talk to urological oncologists, I mean, they will complain back pain, headaches, lower back pain, shoulder pain, hip pain, all kind of pain. So that 20 minutes you take for yourself, you will work on that physical body. And then maybe in that time, you can also work on the mind, the stress part, what's going on in your mind, what is important. And when I say work on the mind, it doesn't mean dwell on the past or like he said this or this was a bad case, what could I have done this? No, or worry about the future. Oh, my grant is due, my paper is due, I have to give this talk or this talk. None of that matters at this time. What only thing which matters is being present in the present moment. So giving yourself that opportunity to be present in the moment helps reduce the mental stress. You might ask me, how can uh, staying in present will give you an opportunity? Because you are taking control of your prefrontal cortex. When you reflect, when you introspect, you are taking control of your prefrontal cortex and you are lowering the amygdala, hijack, we have as healthcare workers. We are chronically stressed because we have given our midbrain amygdala control of our thoughts, emotions, how we react, how we think. And by taking that control back, you're giving yourself a break. And that's
0: important for us to do. That's really insightful. And, you know, sometimes I think about life as one never-ending to-do list, you know, whether that's the big to-dos, the small to-dos. And if you kind of run through that list ad nauseum in your mind, particularly if you don't have some set goals for chipping away at that list, there's almost a constant feeling of drowning because the list actually just seems to tend to grow and grow and grow. I don't think this is anything particularly novel coming from me. But I think what I'm hearing is When you're separating some time, and we'll talk about some of the practical implementations, but yoga, breathing, mental rest, these are all inextricably related. You at the very least get to disengage from this to-do list of things that are coming and things that have been. And that's incredibly powerful.
1: So if you look at the neuroscience literature, what they talk about is people who are chronically stressed, burnout, suicidal, uh, overworked. The physiology is the same. We are letting our midbrain take over the control and slowly we get used to the sympathetic overdrive which is being driven by amygdala. So always uh, in a rush, always chronically stressed. There is a critical period in that curve where our brain says that there will not be any more synaptic connections developing, means we cannot develop new ideas, new innovative techniques, if we don't relax. There is good neuro, neuroscience data on this. Okay, good thing about taking, giving, giving yourself five minutes is the body sends the signal back to our prefrontal cortex. Our interpretation, Aditya, of those signals, our brain's interpretation of those signals, that's called introceptions. How our brain provides introception can change our physical and mental stress. So brain will send the signals back to our body and say, Communicate. There is a bi-directional communication, so I I think that's why there's such an emphasis on mind-body connection, you know, in in neuroscience now.
0: Yeah, I, I absolutely appreciate that, and I mean we're wired that way. I think you know clearly evolutionarily, during points of stress, it kind of made sense for the sympathetics to kick in in a big way and help you survive that event. And I'll, I'll share a story. This was in the last four weeks or so. I was doing a Post chemo RPLND, and it was a tough case where the planes were not favorable. And we had a, uh, a small veinotomy that wasn't trivial. And I had, you know, grasped it with uh, the with DeBakey, and, you know, everything was kind of controlled, et cetera. And instead of just doing stuff, which is my kind of typical response, we're going to get in a controlled situation. I just, I did some box breathing for about 20 seconds, you know, in two, three, four, hold two, three, four out, two, three, four repeat. And I, I was, uh, open with my team that I'm just gonna take a few seconds and breathe. And then we did the planning, you know, it's just triple anesthesia. How are you doing? Do we have this? Do we have that, et cetera? You know, just kind of planned. But I mean, it's, it's obviously impossible for me to say how I would have responded without that 20 to 30 second pause versus after but certainly i was not just kind of hearing that like was was you know freaking out i was able to calm myself intentionally and i think put together a, a logical plan better than if i have mm-hmm. it so I, I think there's there's value in even this smallest little bit you know 1 minute 3 minute 5 minute is better than nothing i think
1: so what you just did uh, aditya on that case you did breath work because breath is a bridge which can connect our autonomic nervous system to our prefrontal cortex. So you use that bridge to calm your mind. And I think sometimes we, I mean, a lot of times we are in situation where the situation is really bad tense. We don't know which way the case is gonna go. And sometimes we react out of proportion to what actually is gonna happen. And I think having some kind of physiological framework where we can always go back and say, you know what, I'm gonna take five breaths here, box breathing, and then we can re-evaluate the situation. I think yoga and mindfulness kind of talks about all these things, how to do, so it's a tool.
0: Yeah, so, so you mentioned React, and um, I think that's also just kind of how we generally respond to things by definition but how about being proactive you know okay before x y and z case have you ever led you know a two three minute coordinated breathwork exercise that could help foster culture teamwork sense of sense of purpose do you ever do that you know case specific day specific
1: so i usually i've not done it with team i play music you know before case uh, like put some nice music and we'd all listen to like a song. But I practice on day of surgery, you know, I get up and I do, do some yoga or some kind of workout, especially if I know it's gonna be a long case and um, it's gonna be a bad case. I do something kind of for my physical body.
0: Can you talk a little bit about, you know, we're, we're talking about breath work and that may or may not be familiar to the audience, what do you, what does that mean? And and maybe you could share like somewhat easily implementable option again, you know, one minute, three minute, five minute, depending on the context that, that people could actually take away from this. So, as I said, breath work is focusing on breath
1: brings you to the present moment. And the example I give is, you know, my teacher used to say, oh, just close your eyes and watch, observe the Breath going in through your nose and out. And then within 10 seconds, my mind will go somewhere else. It will be like gone. And then you try to re-pull your mind to the breath. And then 10 seconds, gone again. So I think focusing on something tangible, practicing with something tangible, gives me an opportunity to kind of bring my focus to being present. So. If it's okay with you, I can do a breath work exercise and I found actually you did the four box breathing. Most healthcare workers cannot do that. They because I teach classes, so I know they will do inhale and I'll ask them to pause and exhale. They cannot do the box breathing because that's lung capacity is not that much. So let's just do the three-part breathing. It's called three part breathing. So Sit in a like a relaxed position, shoulders a little bit back, neck is straight, hands on your thighs, palms facing down. And now close your eyes and take a deep breath in and
2: hold. Slowly exhale. Breathe in. For a count of three, one, two, three. Hold for one, two, three. Exhale, one, two, three. Inhale, one, two, three. Hold one, two, three. Exhale one, two, three. Last one, take a deep breath. Inhale one, two, three.
1: Open your mouth wide. And exhale everything out. slowly open your
0: eyes. How do you feel? i feel I feel good. I mean, I feel different, and I think I'd mentioned this to you as we were as we were planning this podcast in the middle of the pandemic. My wife and I did a it was a zoom retreat for a a program called Art of Living which is basically all about breath work. You know, there, there was very little about yoga and stretching, but it's all about breath work. Goes into the, you know, as children, how we breathe and how that kind of evolves. Talks about, you know, sympathetic and s- slow, shallow breathing versus calm, deeper, controlled breathing and all, all the benefits. And I mean, we did this two-day retreat and it was incredible. It was absolutely incredible. I think the ask might have been a little bit too much for where I was in my life, you know, to carve out 30 minutes every day. I tried it, but it was not sustainable. But I remember, you know, feeling a a pretty profound change in the way I felt and was thinking about things. And I mean, I don't know how long that was. It could have been longer than 30 seconds, but there's certainly a, a little bit of a different feeling, which I would call good. So I think that's something that the leadership could easily take away, you know, a couple of minutes or you're sitting at your computer and you're just feeling a little sleepy. Just do that for a few minutes. Is that fair? Yeah.
1: Breath is, again, uh, an anchor for connecting to your mind. Uh, You know, yoga, actually, when I teach yoga class, I put a lot of emphasis on breath work. I tell students that first objective is breath work. Second is Sensations, observe your sensations. And third is physical posture. Because I think the way people think is physical posture, you have to be flexible, you have to be able to do handstand, this stand. None of that matters. Yoga Sutra, which was written 2000 years ago, is very clear on this. The whole purpose is to connect with your breath. If you can do that and you're sitting in your chair, you are practicing one of the eight limbs of Ashtanga Yoga, connecting with your breath.
0: That's. I think that's really cool and very empowering that it doesn't have to be, you know, again, like some contortionist type pose to even have a seat at the table, that it could really just be, you know, sitting there. And, and if you go from what I'll maybe describe as triangle breathing, is that, how, is that what you called it, Dharam? Yeah, three part breathing to to box breathing, which is basically the same thing, but it's four seconds hold, four seconds hold, four seconds hold. You know that that could be amazing. Now yoga, I mean, obviously it's a it's a huge term, it's an all encompassing term, and, and there's hot yoga, Bikram yoga, any different type of iteration. But let's let's bring it back to like us. And I kind of was thinking about this, like like a smoker. It's hard to you just quit smoking. Well, why should I quit smoking? Because you'll You have a less likelihood of dying and getting all these bad things in 20, 30 years. That's a bit of a abstract thing to grasp. And I think some of what you're describing is the short term, the here and the now, and then you know, the long game. But maybe just some common stuff that we do, you know, robotic surgery. We're sitting in a certain position and despite optimizing our ergonomics, there's gonna be stress. What are some things that like a person could do to maybe help take care of their body before like a robotic case? So
1: stretching is critical. Robotic cases, you know, most surgeons will complain of neck pain and upper back pain and hip pain. Part of it is just the ergonomics. Paying attention to ergonomics, but again, to train yourself to do robotic case for 8, 10, 12 hours in the operating room, you have to practice some kind of physical activity to strengthen the back muscles because everything is forward in robotic. So we have to strengthen the back muscles. It's putting a lot of pressure on our upper third of trapezius, uh, neck muscles here, and uh, a lower back, latissimus dorsi. So, I mean, when I was uh, training to become a certified yoga teacher, I was looking at each pose, each posture from a viewpoint of a surgeon. How can I use this posture in robotic? How can I use this posture in open surgery? So when I'm teaching class to my people here, I have drilled down 50 poses and we go through those 50 poses to specifically target those muscles. So hamstrings, glute, uh, latissimus dorsi, trapezius, shoulder muscles, biceps, triceps. We cover all that in the class because it was very, I wanted to be very specific about wellness in what actually is tangible we are doing. So I think for listeners who, who don't do yoga, who do something else, focusing on those areas where we hurt the most and strengthening those
0: areas is key. Stretching is key. I can definitely appreciate that. And I actually went to a yoga class and and the instructor told me that, well, sir, you're not really in a good position to start yoga. You need to start out with stretching actually so you can meaningfully participate in yoga. So I, I think it's a nuance, but it's different. And could you give some names of stretches or yoga poses? You know, say for instance, if somebody wants to look them up on the internet, you know, or is there some sequences like Surya Namaskar, like, you know, sunrise salutation that you're like, this is a good way that's going to cover, you know, some high dollar real estate before a robotic case or an open case.
1: Yeah. I'll tell you that, but to just reply to your comment on teacher telling you that you're not good for yoga. I tell, I have students uh, who are medical school, you know, medical student to up to retired physician. Yoga is your journey. No one can actually tell you that you're not doing a correct pose. Wherever you are in that pose is the right pose for you. So it's your journey. Only you can walk that journey. So anywhere you start is your yoga. So some poses listeners can do, uh, especially, you know, surgeons, robotic surgeons, open surgeons, uh, that would include warrior one in yoga, that's called Vir Bhatra Asana Ekam, warrior one. Warrior two is variation of warrior one, warrior two, Vir Bhatra Asana Dwe, warrior three, airplane pose, runner's lunge, cobra pose, locust pose, camel pose, reclining waterfall, Supta Baddha Konasana, that's reclining bound angle pose, cat and cow pose, all these poses would strengthen the back muscles, the spinal muscles, and the core muscles. And as slowly as you advance, yeah, as slowly you advance, you know, you can start looking at more advanced poses.
0: You know, one of the things that that kind of occurred to me, and I I was re- invigorated into stretching and yoga after we went on a family vacation and I took the time to take advantage of some of the courses that were offered at the place that we were staying and it became screamingly obvious I've got some work to do but the learning curve is actually I think somewhat shallow as long as you kind of are patient and gentle with yourself the ROI is fast I mean it was two or three days of stretching where I could sense that I felt different after a case that i did you know 2 weeks prior and then when you do some of these poses it just feels so good and again i think if you don't if this isn't a part of your upbringing or your daily routine or even like a morning stretch like literally yawning and stretching out if that's not a part of your routine when you just engage in it a little bit you're like oh man that is that is a really good positive pleasant sensation so, and I think, yeah, I mean, you, you, listed off about 10 poses and I mean, we're talking maybe if you spend 30 seconds per pose, that's five minutes before an OR day when, and, and I'm sure there's some the crossover for a clinic day where you could, you know, start the day a little bit different.
1: Yeah. Or in clinic. I mean, I do yoga all day. So if I'm in clinic and the clinic running late or patient is not roomed and stuff, I'm like, okay, whatever. I'm just going to do a chair pose. And I for a minute, I hold a chair pose. And then I do some other pose. I do it throughout the day because then I'm not wasting my energy in something which I don't have control.
0: Yeah, I think that's a good point. Uh, my, my brother-in-law brought this up to me about how unnatural it is kind of from a human evolution standpoint to sit in chairs. And of course, you know, standing desks became kind of cool for the last several decades, but he was like, what's actually going to be really cool are sitting floor desks and little things. Like now when I play chess with my kids or read a book, instead of sitting on a chair or a sofa, I'll sit on the floor. And I might be, you know, alternating my position to like tolerate it, but I've participated in stretching at least for those 20 minutes. Whereas if I'm sitting on a chair, I'm just sitting on a chair like I always do and i think these like minor ways to incorporate this really without dedicated time that's not the the message here but but at least to improve flexibility as singularly it's it's pretty straightforward to incorporate during the course of the day
1: yeah and it adds up like you know even if you did you have you know, like a clinic of 30 patients 40 patients and you have running you know 10 15 minutes behind You can add up. You can get 30, 40 minute of workout during your clinic if you are mindful of doing
0: something. So, you know, your your journey to like oversimplify where, you know, something kind of clicked for you and your family and your colleagues that it was time to change something. You explored several things. Yoga seemed to resonate to the point where in addition to taking care of yourself in a bigger way, you were interested in learning how to teach others in kind of a surgeon-specific format. And now, if I'm not mistaken, there's hundreds of people that you've been able to impact through your, through your education. Is that right?
1: Yes. So I've been very fortunate that I can rent a studio. I rent a heated uh, studio. I crank up the heat to 102, 101, 102 degrees. And I have been training. I do one or two classes in a month. And the classes are full. I've trained more than 500 uh, healthcare workers, professionals in San Antonio. Uh, You know, it has become uh, really very meaningful for me to do this for our people.
0: Has sustaining it been challenging at all? Or has that come pretty naturally now that it's basically a part of your life? Yeah, no, I can, because I have, I know one or two
1: Sundays I'll do this you know, and people enjoy it. Uh, the classes are always full, so I feel good about continue to do this. I'm also doing a live stream now because some people who cannot make it, they're out of town. They request live stream, so I do live stream plus in studio class.
0: Yeah, I was gonna ask if there's any online recorded sessions or opportunities. By all means, I think we could share that in the show notes for people that would be interested. I see very little downside to that. And I'm glad to hear it's sustainable. I mean, I think it's for a variety of reasons. I know you're in Houston now, but maybe with the next AUA, how cool would it be to organize something in your in your home studio, so to speak, to uh, get together some, some folks that are interested, want to kind of break the seal and see what it's all about. Of course, I'd love to do that. Yeah, I mean, whether it's kind of officially sponsored by the AUA or not, uh, I think it'd be a really, really cool thing. I mean, this has been awesome, Durham to hear about your journey. And, it, and it's been so, I think, positive for yourself, but also incredibly selfless to take out that time and, and work to teach other people in a way that's um, accessible, interpretable to, to us as surgeons. Any kind of parting thoughts as we come upon an hour here for the listenership?
1: I think one thing I've seen, you know, we try to maintain sense of balance in today's uncertain environment. And it can be a struggle trying to appear outwardly calm and motivated when inside you have you feel like uh, you are drained it's very important to for us to acknowledge that acknowledge that and then act on that find time for yourself maybe 10 minutes 20 minutes but that 20 minutes when you connect with yourself and in that 20 minutes you may connect with yourself for just for a minute where nothing else
0: matters, that's
1: important because that's where you are
0: being present. I love that. And I mean, maybe just to kind of piggyback a couple of thoughts from my end, one, just like so many things in life, it's never too late. Even if you're at whatever stage of of your career and you've never kind of done this, there's no time like the present. And I think there's people, there's resources out there that really would love to help you help out with your Physical, mental wellness. Two is just kind of shedding that ego of I've got to be so dedicated to whatever I'm doing and I've got to suffer and I've got to sacrifice at my own expense. I mean, that took me a long time. I think a part of it was the generation that we trained in, kind of the, a little bit of the aura of oncology, maybe specifically to be like, you know, I mean, did I envision myself like 10 years ago talking about like self care? Like, no, I thought that was for like, you know, a different type of person, but I might be late to the party, but I think, you know, again, better late than never. Yeah. And you are never late.
1: It, It is what it is. You know, we have to look at life as it is, as it unfolds. And if this is, you know, if this is something new for your listeners, that self care and well being is important. Then all you need is to need to figure out which tools can help you cultivate that well being.
0: I love it. I think it can be quite that simple. But you know, first thing it has to occur to you, hopefully sooner rather than later. And um, you know, again, hats off for for what you've been able to do thus far. There. I'm certainly looking forward to see what you continue to do in this uh, extremely important arena. Thank you, Aditya. All right, well, uh, some breathing tips, some yoga poses to take back with you, some concrete prescriptive recommendations and a lot for us to think about. Thank you, there. Thank you so much for having me on your show, Aditya.
1: I appreciate it.
0: Thank you so much for listening. With support from Josh McWherter, Aaron Bowles, Nick Shellcross, and Ness Smith Savadoff, Design and digital marketing led by Brian Schmitz. With support from Devante Delbrun. Social media and PR by Chi Ding. Administrative support provided by Jamila Kennebru.
2: Thanks again for listening and see you next week.